The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. Today, the Trading Secrets podcast is celebrating our 100th episode, and who better to have as our guest for this milestone episode than someone who is not only a massive entrepreneurial success, but also someone who is one of my most important favorite people in the world, Caitlin Don Bristow. Many of you know Caitlin dating back to 2015, (laughs) where she gained recognition as a contestant on season 19 of The Bachelor. That same year, she was elected, literally elected to the 11th Bachelorette. She had one of the more unique scenarios, being the first season with two Bachelorettes to kick off a season, which we'll get into. Since then, she has gone on to launch her mega successful podcast, Off the Vine, with over 140 million downloads. She is the co-host of multiple seasons of The Bachelorette. She won season 29 of Dancing with the Stars. And all while doing that, she has run many multiple successful businesses, Spade and Sparrows, Duetta, and many more. It is not hard to recognize that Caitlin has shown what it takes to have the entrepreneurial success in today's world. We're going to dive deep into where her love for being an entrepreneur comes from, how her rise to fame has affected her from a professional standpoint, good and bad, and how she manages a fast-paced, constantly changing schedule. Caitlin, Don Bristow, thank you so much for being on Trading Secrets today. I'm wet. (laughs) That's all it took, huh? That's all. I was like, keep going. (laughs) Wow. We'll take it. Well, not only that. I want to say that on this podcast. You can say anything you want on this podcast. Anything goes. Thankfully, never heard a reaction like (laughs) that to an intro. And the first ever, unlike any other episode, is we are starting with a game. We have the Curious Canadian here. He's going to kick us off. I too am a Curious Canadian. Would you consider yourself a Curious Canadian? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I'm many other things, but I am always curious, but that kills cats. So. All right. Well, we have two curious Canadians here. David, welcome to the show from the get-go. What are we starting off with? Well, first off, 100th episode, couldn't think of a better guest. When KB and I get together, it feels like we get to kind of gang up on you with our <laughs> with our Canadianism. So, uh, But we have a game today. It's going to be ATM, Ask the Mafia. So we have some questions from the audience. We have some questions from the Curious Canadian and the Trading Secrets team. So you each have a whiteboard in front of you. Okay. I'm going to ask you guys questions. I also don't know the the questions. Oh, you don't? No, I'm not aware of them. So we're we're hiding our boards, right? You're hiding your boards from each other. And every question you're going to put your answer for yourself and then what you think the other person's answer is. And then we're going to compare. So we're going to see... Because we know KB's the entrepreneur. She's the firecracker. Jay's the numbers guy. He's sitting in the office. He's pushing the pencil. He's pressing (laughs) his glasses up next to his face. So we're going to see how the worlds collide here. We're going to keep it financial, career, money base. And then I got a bonus question at the end for both of you. Are you guys ready? I'm scared. All right. You guys ready? Let's go. Fire away. All right. First question. What is your credit score? And what do you think your partner's credit score is? I'm pretty sure Jason just saw mine like three days ago. When you're ready? Okay, here we go. I need to see a little bit. I have my answer for me, 800-ish for Caitlin, 713. Oh, wow. Okay. I said 800 for you, but I said the 685. 685. I thought it was, was seven-something. It could be. I don't remember. All right. We'll get into the credit scores later, but not bad. <laughs> Right? Not bad. All right. It's a good start. We got one match. Yeah. I think you each get a point there. Okay. Yeah. What's next? Okay. Number two, what is your worst paying job 
of all time that you've done in your life. So I need to know what the job was and roughly how much you were making. And then I want to know your best paying job of all time. And <laughs> just to make Caitlin squirm, if you want to share numbers on that, feel free. Okay. Worst paying job of all time. Mine would be McDonald's, 14 years old, lot and lobby, $6 minimum wage. I have a funny one and a bad one though. So that could be one of your businesses. It could be an appearance that you did. It could be. I don't like this. <laughs> this is why she's been avoiding the show for hundred episodes. I don't want to say. Just put it, put it the best paying job. You don't have to put in the yeah. amount. KB, go first. Okay. I was a table setter at Smitty's restaurant for $8 an hour. And then my best paying job is probably my podcast. There you go. Okay. I love it. Uh, I was a, a dishwasher at Atlanta Bread Company making $7 an hour. Cute. And then I would say probably my best paying job, which will make Caitlin throw up, is influencing. Yes. <laughs> there I are mean, many sources, but that's the best one. Wait, you worked at Atlanta Bread Company? Yeah, ABC, I Atlanta Bread Company. Crushed it. Me and Jay Christopher oh, in the back. Oh, did you just always smell awesome. like fresh bread? Yeah, I remember I got a $5 tip once and it like was the best day of my life. I got a $5 tip once for go-go dancing and I felt like a stripper, so I quit. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, we'll That's get into that too. What else ABC, we got? ABC, Atlanta Bread Company, ABC, ABC Bachelorette. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you wow. go. All right. How much annually do you and your partner put into savings slash retirement per year? I'm excited for this one. Yeah, I actually, why am I blanking on Go this? first. 50K and 40K? Jason 50? puts in 50 and you put in 40. Is that your guess? Yeah. I'm pretty, oh. almost 100% sure both put in 58K, the max you put in. That, okay, I couldn't remember the We're max both number. Both maxed out There we go. 50 something. <laughs> All right. Not bad though, Kate. Bad. Bad. Okay, what else, you know David? What? What's next? I'm impressed. All right. MFK. We all know the game. If you don't know it, hit the Google machine, find out what it means. Okay. Uh -huh. okay. Caitlin, for you, MFK, off the vine, do edit, or spade and sparrows? I oh. hate it. <laughs> Asking me to kill my children. Wow. And Jason, for you, restart roadmap, trading secrets, rewire talent agency. Mm. I like that. I say make love, fornicate, and murder. There you go. I'll go first. I will make love to Rewired. I will fornicate to Trading Secrets and I will murder the Restart Roadmap. Okay. Okay. I said I will marry my podcast. I will fuck the shit out of Spade and Sparrows <laughs> and I will kill Do Edit because scrunchies are a trend and they can only stay around for so long. Oh. Look at that. There's yeah, that's a business leader business. right there. It's a business leader right there. <laughs> All right. All right. This one last is but not least, the last question of what do you call this game? ATM? Ask the mafia. Uh, <laughs> oh money mafia at home. I you said uh, go bills. Okay. I can't not ask it with another Canadian in our presence at the podcast. Okay. I want you guys to list out your five favorite Canadians. So of the celebrities out there, and I, this is a little test for Jason. I, I can't. Really I can't put. I can't put uh, Caitlin right. Or me. Can't put. Can't either put of either of you guys. Okay. Okay. Top five Canadians of the celebrity variety. You just are so proud to call them Canadian. Your five favorite Canadians, Caitlin Bristow. Bieber, Celine yes. Dion, Ryan Gosling, Ryan Reynolds, and Michael Myers. Wow, you it's an elite list. This is fire. It's an elite And it was a tie for Michael Myers and Dana Carvey. Oh, my okay. God. No. Damn. All right. I Biz nasty. Oh, Jim Carrey would be Jim Carrey, Brett Kissel. Come on now. Wayne Gretzky and Justin Bieber. That's a good list. Only. I don't, Biz Nasty makes me LOL. Jim Carrey is 
should have been on mine. Yeah, I mean, we love know, Brett. Yeah, Wayner, Jim Carrey's Beauty, unreal. Justin Biebs. Uh, notable, uh, notable omissions. Yes. Um, Drake. Oh, of course. Oh yeah, easy. And Rachel McAdams. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, that's fair. You're right. That's okay. fair. Also, well, Avril Lavigne. Well, David, <laughs> Curious Canadian, ATM. Thanks for coming on. We'll see you back at the recap. And uh, great questions, Caitlin. You got anything for David? That was so fun. No, thank you, my fellow Canadian. That was that was a good time. It was a great You're way to warm KB up. up. Just lubing her up, getting her all fired up. Questions. I'm getting dry. Okay. okay. <laughs> all the numbers are. Caitlin. Thank you for coming on. We'll see you at 200. Uh, Really excited to hear the rest of the episode. And Jason, I'll see you in the recap. See you in the recap. What made you feel most uncomfortable? David just asked. Well, we already know the answer to that. What was it? Best paying job. I love that. Why is it? And we're going to get into all the areas of Caitlin Bristow here. We're going to start with the life leading up to the bachelorette. But why is it that talking about money makes you so squirmish? It was never like a taboo topic, but for me, I like I have no problem being self-deprecating and talking about how little I made back in my day. But for some reason, I feel I don't know, almost like a little bit of guilt because I'm like, man, there's so many like talented, hardworking people out there, and doctors, and I'm sitting over here like talking about like, well, and I got this for an Instagram post. Like I feel yeah. stupid almost. I think part of the conversation is it opens up industries that people don't know about. Sure, but then it might make kids just want to be Instagram famous and, you know. Okay, let me ask you the opposite of it. And then we're going to get into life before the bachelorette. If there were other, let's say, leads, bachelor leads or bachelorette leads that were sharing some of their numbers, would that make you feel more comfortable? No, I I don't mind if other people talk about it. It's not like I'm like, oh, shame on them for talking about it. Yeah. I understand I, I think it's great that people talk about it. Me personally, I get like, and not a lot makes me uncomfortable. Not much. That I, just makes me, I feel silly. I feel like I shouldn't talk about it. I feel like it's private. I feel like I'm, and then I'm like, what if someone comes and robs me now? <laughs> <laughs> it's all digital, but all right, there you go. I don't know. Well, don't know. we're starting to get you warmed up to it. You are uncomfortable. Not Many people hear Caitlin My Bristow hands are clammy. in an uncomfortable interview. And I'll tell you this, I have done, I don't know, hundreds probably of interviews with you or watched you do them. And I have never, ever seen you bring notes. <laughs> Caitlin Bristow, I don't think Caitlin, if Caitlin had an open notebook uh, test in high school, there is no way she brought notes. But here she is on yeah. Trading Secrets and she's got notes. I do. <laughs> That said, it's a great transition. Let's get into it. So life leading up to the bachelorette. I know you've talked about it in full, but with less than 10 years, you go from couch, like surfing almost, right? Like yeah. living in your parents' basement. Uh, no, living... basement sounds so dark. But wasn't it? I wasn't living in their basement. I thought you like were. Some little fucking troll. <laughs> I thought, I thought that was like your thing. You were living in their basement couch. <laughs> <laughs> were you or were you not? No, I was living in their house okay. that didn't have a basement. <laughs> For some reason in my head, I thought when you told me this story, it was always their basement. I was just so like, I used, that's what I used to say about like trolls on the internet who like, I'd be like, they live in their <laughs> okay. mom's basement and have never seen a live pair of tits in their life. Now that's my picture. Okay. But you did, you did couch surf on your buddy's 
hmm. like apartment for a while, right? And friends, yeah. And you were, and I think the the, ta- the takeaway for that is not to like dwell on the basement or <laughs> the know, guest room or the couch surfing, but it's like you were at this like low low. This was te- within ten years. You go from this like low low, the lowest. You, you had mentioned that like at times you were abusing painkillers to suppress yeah. some of your depression, and then within this time period, you go from you know one of the most successful, if not the most successful person that has ever used Bachelor as a launch pad to success, which is just a wild change of pace in a short period of time. I want to relate it back to people listening. You dug yourself out and put yourself in a position people can only dream of. What advice do you have for those that are stuck and that are in that digging phase? Well, I think giving yourself grace in that rock bottom area that you might be in and, and say like, you can only go up from there. Allow yourself to live in your parents' space if you need to. Cry, be depressed, and and get help. I think that was like the biggest pivotal moment for me from the couch and being depressed to actually doing something was therapy because it taught me something I never knew, and that's that I didn't have very good coping skills from growing up. And so learning about how to cope through therapy got me to propel forward in just getting myself off the couch. And I think a lot of people think you have to do big steps to get somewhere when you're depressed, but baby steps are the way to go. Take baby steps, get out, do a walk around the block, do something each day that makes you move and get out of that funk. And for me personally, it was therapy. I think that was a really big takeaway for me was getting help. And I think what's interesting is when you learn those coping skills personally to like get yourself going, the impact that has on professional success. Well, I was empowered by it. I was empowered by doing things for myself instead of, you know, running back to my mom or getting help from my dad financially, or like I was always relying on other people and therapy taught me to do it myself and feel empowered by that. When you came back and you're in this state, it was after you had a breakup Mm -hmm. and you're dating, uh, he was a pro European hockey player, right? Mm -hmm. So at that time, professionally, were you working or? I was just as uncomfortable then as I am now talking about money going to Germany to financially rely on him. So I worked two jobs for three months to save up money to go. So I didn't completely have to live off of him, okay. but that didn't last as long as I thought it would. And then I was emotionally and financially relying on him. And that's not a way to live. I, I had no job. I couldn't work in Germany. Uh, how do you get a job when you can't speak the language? I had no friends. I had like a little bit of money in my bank account and I had no education. (laughs) There are people that are probably listening to this that might be in similar situations where their significant other is making more than them. Mm -hmm. And that is a point of leverage in other areas of the relationship. When you were in that relationship at that time, did you feel like money and what you're doing professionally was levered against you? Um, it was Definitely an uncomfortable conversation because all the other girlfriends and wives, their partner had given them their own debit or credit card to use in case they needed it or for groceries or whatever. I didn't. And that conversation seemed to make him uncomfortable. And so I always had to like ask for money to go get groceries, which is like awful, an awful feeling. And I just remember being like, I don't know why he won't give me a debit card or like something to help. Like, I'm not a big spender. You know that. Yeah. I wouldn't go blow all this money on like shopping and yeah. doing all these things that when I would be like doing it to get groceries and probably a lot of wine. 
So it was, yeah, definitely uncomfortable. But here's the thing, and I don't want to call him out, not that he would listen to this. Maybe he would. He's a big finance guy. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you should have him on. Just kidding. The thing is with him, I think he was really mad at himself because he played pro hockey in the NHL level and was making incredible money and had to take like the biggest pay cut to then go and like feel like he didn't make it as a hockey, you know, superstar. And I think like maybe money was an uncomfortable subject to him. Got it. And I don't I, know. I think the whole, I think for anyone that's listening, that's either new to the show or not, the whole purpose of this is to understand those experiences mm-hmm. and the lessons you learned yeah. and then like pay those lessons forward. Because if someone's learning from what you had gone through, maybe they can prevent something. So I, two things I'm interested in is, is do you have any advice for anyone out there that does feel like they're in a situation, their partner makes more as a result of their partner making more, they feel that that is levered in other areas of the relationship that has nothing to do with it. I mean, I think all of it comes down to a transparent conversation and even just being able to admit, hey, this makes me feel less than, like, how can we work something out? And why do I always want to say therapy? Like, get a therapist. But I feel like there are, like, marriage and relationship counselors that talk about that kind of thing to bring in a third party that could help you kind of navigate that. Okay. The second question I have about that situation is, do you think still to this day, the way you're so motivated, you're so independently driven. Uh, In none of your shows, do you have a co-host? In none of your business, do you have anyone else that has to do with other talent? There's been opportunities where like you and I have even like potentially couple shows where you're like, no, I, I have my thing, I have my brand. Do you think that independent fire is somewhat connected to that feeling that you experience? 1000%. Without a doubt. First of all, I don't, again, I don't want to throw my parents under the bus for this. I think a lot of parents just were like, they learn what they need to learn in school. But our parents, they didn't really ever have to worry about money, but they didn't teach us about, you know, like credit scores and getting a credit card and paying for our own things. Like we were a little bit spoiled. So that combined with the relationship question, I think is where that all stemmed from. But Like I remember my ex taking me to go get a credit card of my own in Canada and the bank was like, yeah, that's not going to happen. You do not have any credit. (laughs) I think it's interesting because I think people are going to see the game we played earlier. Yeah. And people that are, you know, pretty proficient with credit are going to see Caitlin Bristow. You know, you thought you had a 685. I thought when we pulled it, when we were doing some joint work. Maybe the 685 was the first one. I remember it got better. Yeah. And I think it was 713. But I think my point is, is that people know how successful you are and then you make a ton of money. They're probably going to be surprised to see a 685 credit score. So was there a point that your credit score- Was that bad? Yeah. No, 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 no. Let me, let me, let me put this out there. It's like a fair, like if like red, yellow, green, 685-ish would be more of a yellow. Okay. Uh, See my competitive, I just got fired up. I'm like, I need to be great. Yeah. And we'll talk more about in the recap, how to improve your credit score, what the red, yellow, green are. We'll do that with the curious game. But my point is, is was there ever a point where your credit score, like, did you, did you learn how to manage credit cards? No. Were you not paying your bills? Like what happened that your credit score is lower than that? I had my credit card bills in like my dad's name. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I just, because I wanted to make it as a dancer, which I know we'll talk about, I didn't go to college. I didn't know anything about credit scores. I didn't know anything about credit. I didn't know things. I just floated through life and I was the happiest. Like I was just like, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to pay him rent at the end of this month, but I'll figure it out. Like nothing phased me with money. And now that I have money, it phases me a lot. And I think about everything, but yeah, 
I want to go back to your first question because you had said why I'm so motivated and to have my own thing and be so independent stemmed from that. I think my whole life, I didn't really realize how strong I was of a human being of like, because I always relied on other people. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I probably just don't have it in me. And that hitting rock bottom with that relationship, which made me start working on myself, which made me have to build myself back up with nobody else to get a job that I didn't want to get as a hostess, work my way up in a restaurant. I just was like building myself up. And I saw that hustle in me to like, not be at my lowest low. And I was like, well, I could do anything. And then when I had that confidence is when The Bachelor came and I was like, oh my gosh, if you work on yourself and you do everything that like makes you feel empowered and good and learn about yourself, the right opportunities will come to you. Yeah. Not that it doesn't take hard work, but. Totally. Okay. So everything you just said, I was very enthralled with. And then at the last second, you opened your hand and started talking with your hand. <laughs> Stop! And I Wait a second. Leave me alone. What is written on your hand? Nothing. Show the camera. No, I'm not showing Show them. what I'm looking at. Well, you can't really see, but. What, no. <laughs> what are, what is it? Notes. Notes on what? Don't you ever write notes on your hand in case you forget? So you could be like subtle and be like. That's amazing. Can you tell me what they no, say? No, 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 no. Do we know what they're about? At any point during this interview, will you tell me what those notes say? Yeah. Okay. Everything, whether it's trauma, it's experience, it's good, it's bad, it dictates, it shapes you. Obviously, it shaped you and you've used that and channeled it into a direction that has created unbelievable things. Yeah, but now it might be a little bit unhealthy where I'm like, I need to do this myself. No, I get like, so I get that. And I'll never forget when you, me and Hawk were sitting down at the Chinese restaurant and he looks back, Hawk's one of my best buddies and he's just has very good balanced perspective. He's like, listen, you guys are both doing great. You're doing great in your own worlds. But could you imagine if you guys actually came together and did stuff together? Like it would be two, three X maybe. And you're like, nope, not doing it. I'm out. Well, which I respect though, because there's good and bad with everything. Like with, even if there's a decision where you and I did partner on stuff, there could be a lot of bad with that too. Obviously there's upside as well. I think I'm a little jaded from my last relationship. (laughs) Okay. I was like, I'm being used. Not that I ever think you would use me, but I think I'm just jaded. And I also am just like, I'm so set on doing things on my own and having my own empire that it's not that I don't want to do anything with you. It's that we both just like work so hard at our own thing. We need to come together in per, like personally, not professionally. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. Yeah. But I do think that that has instilled a part of you where even professionally, yes, you want to come together personally, I'll be aligned. But even professionally, still then you wouldn't have an interest in that. Well, I don't know. Maybe if we're like fully married and there's that commitment there, mm-hmm. I think then maybe. Yeah, I love <laughs> But don't that- you feel the same way or do you do not? No, I don't think you have to be married to like do joint ventures together. No, I don't no. think you have to. That's just where I'm at. Yeah. Not anyone else. Like that's just how I feel. I, I th- think it, I thought maybe yeah. I think there's I think there's I don't know. No, I don't I don't think so. Okay. I think it would be I think it would be a, the businesses would be in a better position if it was done after like there was that legal like marriage and everything else, but I don't think you have to be. Yeah. But I, the funny thing is I want to only focus on life bachelorette and now we're moving in all different oh, directions. Yeah, but no, I like it though. That's where the conversation's going. But you did mention used. Professionally, I just want to talk about career. You're trying to get headlines right now. No, I'm just, you said it. (laughs) You said it, not me. I didn't say it. What, for you to say that, there must have been something professionally that you felt was being taken advantage of. Is that a concern of yours? 
Let, and what was it? Well, let me just start by saying this is all just from my point of view and from how I felt and things that I saw. It doesn't mean they're right or wrong. Yeah. But would you or would you not agree that when couples come off the show, whether it was a bachelor and the woman he picked or a bachelorette and the guy she picked, that that is a really hard foundation to start on and a struggle with, oh, I think like a it's, power struggle. I think it is the, especially in all dimensions, personally, professionally, and financially, it is close to impossible. Yeah. And so I think men sometimes get emasculated. 100%. By the bachelorette coming off and all these opportunities are like, we want Caitlin there. And like, oh, well, Sean can come too. Or like, maybe not. Maybe it's just Caitlin or it's the two of us together. But like, it's always, it was always... If I was there, then he was invited. And I think that on top of already feeling emasculated on the show where you're not the one and there's other relationships building and you thought it was you the whole time and then you realize it wasn't, like how does a relationship even work after that? I don't know. It's hard. But it was like getting down to the end where I we both just didn't see it going anywhere, but it felt like he was hanging on until his gym opened and that's where I felt used. Professionally. Professionally. There. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Let me also reverse the roles here. Professionally. Do you feel as though you would feel insecure? Would you feel back to the Caitlin Bristow days of being in Europe if your partner was receiving all that attention and you weren't? If the roles were reversed, whether yeah, it was sure. your last relationship, whether it was obviously the Europe situation, yeah. does that bring you back to that place? Not that place, but because I've worked on myself. But yeah, I would definitely have feelings of like doubt or not worthy or feeling less than. Yeah. Okay. Let's bring it full circle back to something people can take away. If mm-hmm. they are at home and you do feel less, whether it has to do with your pride, because of your success, because of the money you make, maybe because of how well-known you're in the community, whatever it might be. What is your advice? Because you've been on both sides of it. Inner child work. <laughs> Seriously? Yes. Your okay. inner child runs the show and you don't even realize it. It's all behaviors you have learned for years and years and years that you are bringing into your adult life that you have not solved or healed. And what you don't heal will be revealed. And it's just will be an ongoing cycle unless you do the work. I truly believe that. Okay. That it is. Inner child work therapy. Uh, We've talked about a lot of moving parts here and we haven't even gotten to the good stuff. Let me do a little bit of a rapid fire. Best job (laughs) you had before you went on The Bachelor and what did it pay? Uh, Well, it was working in the, the restaurant industry because I was working my way up and I'd also get tipped out. So it was... Gosh, in Edmonton at that time, it was like $18 an hour plus tips. Okay. So on an annual basis, what do you think you're making in a real job no like idea. that? I still got so much money back in tax season. I just thought that was a win. <laughs> <laughs> who, if, you, if the credit card was like kind of an issue, then who did your taxes at this point? My dad. Your dad did. Well, my dad had a person. Okay. And so did he it. did it. Yeah. All right. Before yeah. we go on to the next step, the credit card issue, you said you went to the bank. That was the eye opening uh, instance. You didn't get oh, approved. I my eyes Why out. didn't you get approved? What do you mean? Because I had no, I had no bills in my name. The apartment I was renting, I did not make on paper, not any money Okay. under at that point, at that point, under $20,000 a year. Okay. Got it. And you started crying when you got declined. Yeah. I was like, I am a piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and at what point from there did you get approved for a card? I was 31. Okay, there we go. All right. I love the open and honesty. It's amazing. That's why you are just so loved and adored. Finish this statement for me. If it wasn't The Bachelor that launched my big career change, it would have likely been. I don't know. I just, I was, I've always had this vision of building a community and I didn't know what that was going to look like or how I was going to do it. But I wanted, I wanted to build a community that like trusted me and that I made them laugh. And I didn't, I thought I was going to be like a radio host. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So it would have, it would have been something in entertainment. Yeah. Something in the, either maybe, like, I think stand-up comedy. Would no, be, no, no. Would you no, ever no. pursue stand-up comedy as a career? Now? Yeah. Like, no. like we just saw Hannah Burner crush Yeah, it. that's like, hard. But you, you never I in your life totally would you do I totally do the crowd work she was doing. Yeah. But to, no, I, I respect the hell out of stand-up comedians. That's got to be really hard. I don't, I think I'm funny. I don't know if I'm that funny. I think you could I'm be. quick, I'm witty, but I don't know. They're like on another level. Okay. I love it. Well, All right. Katie Thurston's doing comedy and she's freaking killing it too. She's killing it. Yeah. All right. It could be in KB's calling. All right. KB 2023 yeah. versus KB oh. 2013. Other than the fame and success, I want one thing. What is the biggest difference between those two KBs professionally? The confidence. biggest difference. Interesting. No, I had a lot of confidence in, oh, well, cause I wasn't working. You were the most, people say like the girls that you were on the season with, when I talked to them when we're at dinner and stuff like that, they say that you were so confident they were terrified of you. Like Ashley, <laughs> I was like her confidence. I was terrified. I was terrified. I was and like, you thought so you were going to win. You thought like I, I was the least, when I walked that show, I'm like, I had imposter syndrome. There's no, like all the stuff from my work life was bleeding into the bachelor life. There's no way I win. I know I'm going home. When am I going home? You are so confident. So you think you're more confident now than you were then? No, okay. I actually don't. <laughs> so you take it back? I think I was the most, no, I was confused on the years. Did you say 20? 20, so today, 2023 yeah, versus okay. like, you know, 2013, 2014, 2015, pre-show Okay, Caitlin. okay. Professionally, the biggest difference between those two KBs. Professionally. Just like more knowledge. I feel like I'm just more confident with like knowledge of business. Like I, didn't, I knew nothing about business. Let me ask you this. Could you network then the way you can network today? Because yes, I think but you're I an unbelievable networker. I didn't realize I was networking back then though. That was just me. I was a social butterfly and I could talk to anybody about anything. And I didn't even realize that could be networking. I always thought networking was, you know, like going to find the guy who's the billionaire, runs this place and like proving yourself to him. Mm-hmm. But I think networking can be so much more than that. And I, yeah, I could have, but I, I would be better at that now. Okay. Yeah. Transitioning before we transition actually to the ABC days, I want to touch on dancing a little bit. Was there ever a point in your dancing career where you had thought this is a hundred percent going to be the rest of my life? I will be a professional dancer. What was that moment? There was a huge competition that was a weekend long competition in Edmonton and all of the Best, I'll never forget Shelly's dance studio. They're the had the best dancers in Edmonton, Sandra Gray studio, and then my little dance studio in Leduc. And we had to compete. And I was always so freaked out to compete against all these girls because I thought they were better than me. And I remember I always wanted to like, I was so rebellious at certain points to my mom. Okay. <laughs> to the point where like she was so on top of me about my teeth and brushing my teeth that I have a vision of her running through a park with curlers in her hair and a robe on yelling at me that I forgot to brush my teeth. Okay. And I was like five. So I, was, I used to brush the counter of 
of the bathroom with the door shut because so, I knew she was listening to see if I was brushing my teeth and I'd rebel and like brush the countertop just to make the noise be like, I'm not going to brush my teeth. Okay. You're like, this adds up. <laughs> <laughs> this checks. I get it. I'm just um, taking it all in. But with dancing, my mom was a professional ballerina. It was like in her blood. She had danced her whole life and she always wanted me to just let go and just do the best that I could. And she always thought I was holding back. And I swear I would hold back just to rebel. And this one time in this competition, I was like, I'm just going to freaking go for it. There may or may not have been a cute boy in the audience that I was like, I'm going to impress him. But I was like, I'm just going to do this the best I could. And I ended up getting picked out of the whole weekend of the competition out of hundreds and hundreds of girls to get a scholarship to go dance with a company in Vancouver because I was the most standout dancer they had seen that weekend. And I was like, oh my gosh this is it. This is my launch pad. This is, I'm going to Vancouver, going to the big city. <laughs> Cause that was big to me compared to Leduc, Alberta. Sure. And so I got there and it was literally the first day that I danced with that company that I was like, Oh shit, everyone's better than me. But that was the moment I thought this is what I'm going to do forever is when I got that scholarship. Got it. And you transitioned then from dance to going into the restaurant business, right? Well, I was working in the restaurant business to be able to get the flexible hours to be able to still dance because I couldn't get a normal job nine to five. Well, one, because I didn't have the education, but two, because I needed to be at the dance studio as much as I could. Okay. And what year was it that you knew that dancing was not in your future? 25. 25. Yeah. Okay. And the transition from there was what? Well, I was a Canadian. I thought I was about to live my dream and go marry a hockey player and never have to work again. (laughs) I was like, I'll dance on the side for fun. Um, And then it was within a year that I realized like, oh, I didn't just stop dancing. I stopped doing my passion. I stopped doing what I love to do. And uh, I wasn't good enough. Well, that was a transition that led to ABC. Full-time ABC. You were a server. Okay. 29 years old. I have a picture here I got to show. This came from an executive producer oh, on the show. What? This was your headshot. It was Caitlin Bristow, Vancouver, BC server, Why 29 so years old. 29 years old, KB as a server. Do you know just that was taking a step into ABC? Do you know that was eight years ago, almost to the day? Really? Almost to the day. Eight years ago to the day. Well, he sent me this. And so Mike, uh, this came from Bennett. Oh, amazing. Okay. He just got, it was the first time he's been in the NZK office in three years. And he saw, this was like the first thing he saw. So you were a server before you went on the show, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I was a server and a spin instructor. Okay. And so when you left, was there any issues when you told him you were going on the show? Did you get fired? Did they tell you, go, come back whenever? What was the process of leaving for the show? Yeah. I mean, you can be replaced very easily. (laughs) And- it's not like a, like I could have gone and embarrassed myself and then brought more people into the restaurant when I came back. It's not like people would, I was in corporate America where they would be like, I don't want that guy investing my money. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, they were very much, everyone was like, of course you're doing this. Yeah. Like you've been like waiting your whole life to do something like this. So no one, did you have any financial obligations that you had to continue to pay when you went on the show? Did you have rent you had to pay, a car payment, anything like that? So you had no rent, no car payment. Uh, I went into debt from buying clothes for the show. So I was going to ask you, what do you think your net worth was before you were on the show? $2. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe negative two? (laughs) Yeah. Why did you go into debt to go on the show? 
What did you? It was an investment, Jason. So that's a good point. <laughs> it paid a return. <laughs> yeah. That's the best investment. I, I have a question. What's the best investment you ever made? Clearly, that's it. How much did you spend to go on the show? Oh, gosh. Ask my mom. She helped me. I spent probably $2,000. In, in buying what? Dresses and things like that? Yeah. Okay. Clothes, bras, underwear, swimsuits, hair extensions, makeup. Yeah. Got it. All right. So you go Shoot. on the show. You come in third place. Don't care about the bachelor stuff. The podium. That's not what we're here to talk about. What I'm here to talk about is you get out of that show. You didn't work again until you were the bachelorette. Right. And I. So you didn't earn one penny in any type of job. N- well, they paid me. Who paid you? The batch, uh, ABC. Paid you what? A whopping $1,500. For what? Just because I didn't have a job. And I was like, you guys are making me wait around to see if I'm the bachelorette and I can't work. Got it. So they gave me $1,500. So you had $1,500 (laughs) over what time frame is this from the bachelor ending to them becoming the bachelorette? That was like filming ending or the show airing. So filming ends for the bachelor, right? And this is what what month? End of November. It ends November. It airs in January, right? Okay, so Last at what March. point do you start getting called to possibly be The Bachelor? Like end of March, beginning of April. Okay, so, I'm, so what I'm trying to do is career timeline mm-hmm. here. So you have four months of essentially no work whatsoever, right? Mm-hmm. And the show hasn't aired. Did you monetize it all off social media no. in that four months? No. So the only thing you have to your name is the $1,500 check that ABC is giving you to float you through this period. Yes. Okay, at what point did you find out you'll be The Bachelorette? Like, honestly, a week before it started filming, they started talking to me about being the the bachelorette in the beginning of March. And I think I was the bachelorette by the end of March. Okay. So there's about a five, six month window Mm -hmm. of you just kind of like waiting around. Mm -hmm. You have 1500 bucks to float. (laughs) Yeah. Which honestly, (laughs) it was probably the most money I ever had in my bank account. I was like, shit. (laughs) Yes. Okay. And while you're in that period, does that KB at all? Are you forward thinking like, what will my career be in two, three, four years from now? Are you just like- making a vision board. Okay. And so what did that vision board look like before you were the bachelorette? Well, it was me being the bachelorette. That was the only thing on my vision board and I was set on it. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I will be the bachelorette. I had it. It was a whiteboard and I wrote down like, I'm so happy now that I'm the bachelorette. And I looked at it every day. Okay. I love it. All right. So it all comes in. There's something about this that I need to take away and all of us at home need to implement. I don't know what it's going to be, but there's going to be a lot of it. Now I want to ask you this, negotiations. Yeah. It's it, it, mm. Now more than ever, uh, when females are negotiating, it's always been, if you look at like historically, uh, there's been a wage gap. That wage gap is starting to get real tight. Mm-hmm. And in some areas, when you do analytics of like certain age, like single women at a certain age versus men that are single at that time, Women are now making more. So it's not only is it tightening, it's starting to flip. Did you negotiate at all to be the bachelorette? Or did you just say, give me the deal? I have 1500 bucks in my account. I had a $2 net worth before you would I'm think, in. You would think, because I think they offered me. Ding, ding, ding. We are ringing in the closing bell to the 100th episode with Caitlin Bristow, the one, the only, my fiance, the love of my life, the beauty of all beauties who I met through a podcast of all things. And I have the Curious Canadian here with me to recap for his hundredth recap of Trading Secrets. David, thank you for all the things you've done in these hundred episodes of recapping and congrats to Trading Secrets. We're here. We made it. We're here. We did a hundred episodes, truly something that I never, ever really imagine that we'd ever get to together. A hundred thanks for having me on. 
and a hundred thanks to KB for making the hundredth episode uh, something that's very special, monumental, and something that we've been really looking for for a long time. And uh, you know, I think it was I think it was great. I think it was so unique to have her on. I know how excited you were to have her on. So cheers to a hundred and what do you say, a hundred more? There we go. Cheers to a hundred and a hundred more. I'm a hundred percent there for that. And just remember, as you guys know, this was just part one. So there was a little cliffhanger there and part two will be next Monday. So part one, David, what are you thinking? Well, I got to tease it a little bit. It was such a good episode. I really, I know after listening to the part two as well, we're going to have a little more time for the recap where I I'm going to get into some hypotheticals. There's some things that I really want to kind of get into the weeds about as only we can about some of her inner, inner child work, about you know hitting rock bottom, about crawling herself out of it, just the awareness that she has in her life and where, where she was and how she is and where she wants to get to. We're going to get into that. So for this recap, we're going to keep it short, because but we're going to really get into uh, some KB-specific things that she talked about. So if you're ready, I'm ready to rock. I'm ready. This will be a more abbreviated recap. Next week will be more like the best friend and curious Canadian recap. We'll do a much deeper dive. Love it. So I got to start. She gets in there, Jay. She's squirming. She's got (laughs) things written on her hand. Your reaction was priceless. Her, her, the ink is sweating. Her palms are sweating. I just got to say in for her to be in her natural setting, like podcasting, but a topic that is making her feel this way and it's making her feel this way while it makes you the most comfortable that you can be, I wanted to know what it was like for you sitting in that chair, being able to interview about this and really bring the podcast full circle for really why you created Trading Secrets. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, it's such a loaded question. That's a form of KB I rarely, rarely see, right? A nervous, uh, squirmish KB. And the fact she had uh, notes written on her hand and she came prepared with all these notes. And I know she had meetings with her team to prepare for it. And I'm like, what? This, this, this girl has done everything and anything and this. She's been, I'm like, wait a second. Kate, and like when we got there, she's like, I'm nervous. I go, Kate, you, you danced for the finale of Dancing with the Stars with like 8 million humans watching. Like you could do this little baby trading secrets podcast with me. And it's so funny because this is such a topic that also is taboo. It's so taboo. And some people have comfort, like myself, I don't even think twice about it. And some people are so uncomfortable talking about it. And it's a lot to talk about it. And it's just interesting. I also connected that feeling like with Shannon, like when we had Shannon Ford, Mm -hmm. who too has this like personality, like, I don't give a shit. I'll talk about anything. And when she got there, she kind of had that same vibe. So very, very interesting. Very interesting. A KB I, I rarely, rarely see. And and for her to reference the most confident times in her life, like you even referenced, Ashley and I was like scared of KB's confidence when they were on the season together and talks about how her confidence has progressed in, in other ways in terms of business and in and, and knowledge and still the same confident girl that she is building her empire. But to see her in that chair squirming and uncomfortable was just incredible. I know you got to admit, you must have had a little like kick out of it. You must have just loved it a little little bit. Well, I wouldn't (laughs) say loved it. I was intrigued. I was curious. I was like, what is happening? Because I admire and respect so much about her confidence. And there are some times, David, she'll be like, oh, this is going to happen. I know for sure. And that's going to, and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. And it happens. And I've never met really someone that's so confident in who she is and, and what she can do and her capabilities and 
like forecasting the future. It's wild. So to see her in a situation in which she didn't have that was, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't think I could ever really say I've seen that side of her. And if I have, it's been like two or three times. And, and you reference a couple things that it's a good transition because she is so aware. I think awareness mm-hmm. of who she is and what she's been through. And, and like you for, said, the future is so interesting, but she, I don't want to say to a fault, but she said a direct comment was, she says it's wavering on unhealthy, the fa- the way that she feels that she needs to do things herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. I think, you know, all her business, her business empires and the way that she talks about kind of professionally in a relationship going into ventures together. Um, I was as a listener on the edge of my seat, hearing her talk about some of her experiences, obviously with her ex and the feeling of, uh, as she said, you know, getting quote unquote used and talked about her really needing the security of being married to enter joint ventures together. I just want to ask you upfront, bold and blank. Let's say six months a year from now, you guys do finally go into a business type venture together. What could you see yourself doing together? I'm really, really curious on that. Yeah, I think that there's a few things there. So let's let's talk about one. One is obviously we all have past trauma. There's no one in mm-hmm. the human walking planet that doesn't have trauma. And the trauma impacts the way we navigate and what makes us feel all the emotions. And if part of her trauma is knowing that she would need to be married to do any form of business together, I am so here for that because I would never want to our relationship to be negatively impacted because of trying to do something that could be beneficial for a, a business or something if it's going to take a toll on us personally. So, you know, first and foremost, like hats off all the respect. Then the, mm-hmm. the contrary side of that is like completely take this situation away from that. In general, I just don't think for KB and I, obviously the answer is yes, wait. But for in general, for most relationships, if you did want to do something like that, you wouldn't have to be married. And, and the reason you wouldn't have to be married as far as like logic and rationale is because you would have an operating agreement, almost like a prenup, if you will, that fully protects you in all circumstances. Like if right. you broke up and if this happened and if this happened. So you're fully protected and binded by whatever that is. Um, and to your question, what could we do together? I mean, we could, Kate and I could do so much together, I think. If we wanted to, we could do different real estate projects together. She's talked a lot about a wine bar. I could really help her with that. Maybe at some point build a podcast network of ourselves. I mean, there there really are. She's so creative and brilliant, and that's her big strength. And one of her weaknesses is like the actual, you know, the the stuff of like, okay, wait, I got the idea. I need help to do it. And so that's what she's done so successful in every business she touch touches. She comes up with a creative brain genius ideas. And then she gets the people that can really help her make that come together to become part of the business. And I think that's something that may be down the road that we could do, but of course, um, not until down the road. And that sounds like just hearing those ideas, like I would get so excited for you to about because I think they would all smash. And I got to say too, like you've been on her podcast dozens of times. And I think her coming on trading secrets for the hundredth episode a step in the right direction for sure. And just like comfortability and, and really like, you know, putting her herself in the situation to talk about these things and, and support your, your, you know, your venture as well. It was really, really cool to see. And it was just, again, like I know you really well and, and I've been able to get to know Caitlin really well. And I learned so much about her and, and you guys through her sitting in the hot seat, which was, which was awesome. 
Yeah. I mean, that's the fun part. And that's what, you know, her coming on was awesome. And hopefully there are different sides of Caitlin that people have seen in part one. And I can promise we'll see in part two that they haven't seen. And it's just inspiring. Like her, how relatable she is, how real she is, how just she's done it in a way that most people kind of like raise an eyebrow or think twice, like how or why. And she just does it her way. And that's what's so she knows herself and she's so self-aware and it's it's just it's really admirable and i know the vinos are going to be tuning into trading secrets to hear this and they will get a different side of some of her normal contact with content which i think will be great I'm, i gotta end it with uh, the kind of cliffhanger that we left the listeners on in terms okay. of the negotiations to be the bachelorette you know when she's just on the precipice before really she probably doesn't even know it of making big money can we just shed some light on KB? I mean, she, putting herself in debt to go on the show, uh, living off $1,500 given to her by ABC that lasted four months with no income. And I just loved her statement, Jason, when she goes, Jason, it was an investment. She had, You asked her what her net worth was before the show. She goes, $2 uh, and spent two k on clothes and, and all the, the fixings to go on the show. Just an absolute like warrior. Like just absolutely like gonna figure it out, warrior. Must have making your skin crawl as a money guy, knowing she was living off uh living off that. But just uh just I love it. A, I love the yeah. authenticity, I love the way she does her life. It's her way or the highway. Get out of my way, I'm gonna make it happen. You know, so I think it's it's really cool and there's so much to touch on in part two. She does share mm-hmm. the numbers, how much she makes mm-hmm. as a bachelorette, and we talk about all the businesses and where they are today, and we get into the weeds of bachelorette and post bachelorette. So we have a jam-packed next episode coming up, and we'll even dive into some of the stuff that we mentioned on this podcast, like the inner child stuff, which is oh my god. It is so accurate what she said, because literally that's all we are as adults. We are our children walking around. And have we grown as a human to understand that child that's reacting a certain way? And we're going to talk a little bit about the alligator and monkey of our our inner child that I've learned through going to therapy and so much more. So this was a great recap. Uh, huge shout out and thank you to Caitlin for uh, supporting the show, for coming on to the show, for sharing things that felt made her feel uncomfortable because I think through those experiences, again, for, for the hundredth million times in her life, she's motivating, inspiring others to do it. So David, before we wrap up part one of KB, you got anything else? We've just come a long way from, from Dean uh, in the first episode to KB in the hundredth episode and everything in between. Thank you to all our guests, all our Uh, Most importantly, all of our listeners, uh, thank you so much. You're what makes Trading Secrets possible. Perfectly said, David. Couldn't have said it better. If you guys could also make sure you subscribe to the show, go follow us on Trading Secrets Podcast on Instagram and YouTube. That stuff really helps our small show that we hope is making a larger impact. So thank you for tuning into another episode of Trading Secrets. Hopefully you felt it was one that you couldn't afford to miss. And I can tell you with confidence, part two with KB next week will definitely be one you can't afford to miss. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.